The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome to the Edge of Sports Podcast. I'm Dave Zirin. This week, we have me talking to you about two of the biggest issues happening right now in the world of sports. And they're represented in what is going to be an elongated Just Stand Up Award and Just Sit Down Award. The Just Stand Up Award is going to go to players in the streets. And the Just Sit Down Award is going to go to the NFL and how they are crapping the sheets when it comes to changing the name of the Washington football team. So we got the streets and the sheets for you today. And so I'm just going to get started and let you guys know what's going down. Okay. And if you missed this story, I'm so glad to be the one to tell it to you. Last week, two young black men were leading a demonstration down the streets of Washington, D.C. on Juneteenth, their megaphones in hand, chanting that black lives needed to matter, and without justice, there would be no peace. This has become a familiar sight in the nation's capital over the last month since the police murder of George Floyd. Less familiar were the two people leading the charge. Their names are John Wall and Bradley Beal, the all-star backcourt for the NBA's Washington Wizards. At the rally, Beal spoke about an interaction with local police that he had in 2018. He said, two years ago, I got pulled over on 495, that's the DC Beltway, and the officer asked me to step out of the vehicle. We are literally on the side of the highway, my wife, me, and one of my friends. The officer comes up to me and says, what if I fuck up your Monday and put you in a headline and arrest you right now? This is just yet another example of what can be described as a remarkable recent development at the intersection of sports and politics. The presence of athletes actually in the streets and taking part in the protests that have swept through all 50 states. We have become used to seeing athletes, particularly black athletes over the last decade, using their platform to amplify messages of protest and dissent. 
We've also become used to an athlete using the field or court as a legitimate site of protest during the national anthem, taking a knee or raising a fist in silent protest. But seeing athletes take to the streets recalls a previous political period. As sports historian Professor Lewis Moore, who's author of the utterly indispensable book, We Will Win the Day, said to me, what's different today are the numbers. He said, Wallen Beal fit in a tradition of athletes like 1960 Olympic hero Wilma Rudolph, for example. She was arrested in 1963 for taking part in a sit-in. Or Bill Russell helped lead protests in 1963 while Jackie Robinson and Floyd Patterson went to Birmingham. But what's different today is the amount of athletes we see. It's all over, seemingly in every major city. My guess is that we can count on our hands how many pros in the past were marching on the front lines. Jackie wanted more. And in today's players, we're getting more. Times have certainly changed. In the late 1960s, when the protests turned to urban rebellions, particularly after Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s assassination in 1968, it was more common to see black athletes used to try and quell protests and call for calm. On college campuses, as detailed in the book Sports Wars, which I highly recommend, it's called Sports Wars, Athletes in the Age of Aquarius by David Zhang. Athletes, particularly the football team, were often used to harass anti-war activists and even form picket lines to keep food and supplies out of buildings being occupied by demonstrators. The contrast between that scene and seeing black college athletes today, particularly football players, at powerhouse schools like Texas and USC, making anti-racist demands of their school and also take the time to hit the streets in protest is a generational shift and a statement about consciousness in 2020 that cannot be ignored. If one person could be credited as a catalyst for bringing athletes into the struggle, that would be former NBA player Steven Jackson. Captain Jack, as he is known, was friends with George Floyd, looking so similar to one another that their mutual nickname was Twin. Jackson has also opposed the reopening of the NBA season, calling it a distraction from the struggle, saying, None of these white owners are speaking up. None of them are taking a stand. Playing basketball ain't going to do nothing but make them money and take the attention away from what we're fighting for. Jackson has drawn in current and retired NBA and WNBA players into the struggle on a street level, having a Juneteenth rally, in just one example, with former NBA player Rasheed Wallace last Friday. Jackson has also made clear that this isn't just about George Floyd posting constantly about other cases, most notably that of Breonna Taylor in Louisville, promising to go to Muhammad Ali's birthplace and bring protesting players with him. In addition to Jackson and the NBA players, many women athletes are in the streets. Coco Goff, the 16-year-old American tennis star, spoke at a protest in her hometown of Delray Beach, Florida last week. She said, I think it's sad that I'm here protesting the same thing that my grandmother did 50 plus years ago. So I'm here to tell you guys that we must first love each other no matter what. We must have the tough conversations with our friends. I've been spending all week having tough conversations, trying to educate my non-black friends on how they can help the movement. If one fact bonds all of these athletes, it is the fact that they are not 
there merely out of solidarity with George Floyd, Amada Arbery, or Breonna Taylor. It's because like Bradley Beal, they or their family members have experienced their own run-ins with police that have either turned violent or existed on a knife's edge where tragedy and yet another hashtag could have been on the agenda. Being a star athlete hasn't protected them. In some cases, like with Bradley Beal, it seems to have made them a target. That's why today's athletes are part of the anger that we see breaking out across the country. Athletes are following the will of the streets, which allows them to use their stature to puncture privilege and forcefully tell white sports fans that this is no longer a game. So that's my just stand up this week. Stand up. It's to the athletes who are taking to the streets. Taking it to the streets. They're the ones who are doing just that. The Just Sit Down Award this week. Sit your ass down. It goes to the utter hypocrisy and shamelessness and cynicism that's happening right now with regards to the team name in Washington, D.C. Okay, look. Roger Goodell wants the public to think he is sincere about fighting racism. He has now said that the National Football League was wrong to discourage political protest in the recent past. He announced that the NFL will pledge $250 million over 10 years to racial justice causes, which by the way works out to about 700 grand a year per team, basically coins in the cushions for this multi-billion dollar behemoth of a sports league. Yet there is one thing that Cadell could do right away to show that he will address the blind spots that have marred his tenure as commissioner call for a new name for the Washington football team. Currently a racial slur that adorns the NFL team in Washington, D.C. The name's history is drenched in bloody racism, genocide, and a tradition of white supremacist ownership. Back in 2010, when the Washington football team was led by star rookie quarterback Robert Griffin III, games were briefly must-see TV. I said at the time that I thought the name would be changed within five years. I think I even said it on ESPN. And wow, was I wrong. I thought RG3 would bring the team to new heights, and with that would come national scrutiny that this brand could not endure. But RG3 got hurt, and the team has been mired in mediocrity ever since. This has saved them from outrage on a national scale. Until now. We are living in the midst, of course, of this national uprising against racism. Statues are being toppled and there's nowhere to hide. The name must change. Team owner Dan Snyder might not like it, and Roger Goodell might be too scared to confront the right-wing Trump-funding cabal that owns most NFL teams, but the time is now. Goodell could show his sincerity by turning towards ownership and showing some courage and leadership, though those have not exactly been hallmarks of his tenure. I reached out to Susan Schoen Harjo, a person of Cheyenne and Muscogee descent, who is president of the Morning Star Institute, a national indigenous rights organization in DC. Harjo has been on the front lines of the battle to change the name for decades, and I want to read her words. She said, This is a mighty time of change and action. More and more people are opening their minds and hearts to demands for justice and accountability, to condemnations of bigotry and brutality, and all their symbols. The pandemic has heightened both exasperation and contemplation forcing some to conclude that now is the time to act on solutions long identified to problems too long debated. Racism in law and order systems, white supremacy in statuary and brands, 
Aunt Jemima, Uncle Ben, Chief Wahoo, and the Indian Butter Maiden. If ever there was a moment to consign the R word to history, this would be it. The vile name and stereotypical logo are a national front because of their proximity to governmental power. Continued use and celebration of that race-based slur sends a worldwide signal that state-sponsored skinning of our ancestors by bounty hunters was okay because white folks needed land to own in our countries. This ongoing commodification and objectification is at the same time protective colorization for and contributing factor to the murders and other forms of savage violence against native peoples today." End quote. In addition, DC Mayor Muriel Bowser has now adopted a much stronger position regarding the teams moving back from suburban Maryland to Washington, saying the name change would be a prerequisite. She told uh, Team 980 Radio, I think it's past time for the team to deal with what offends so many people. This is a great franchise with a great history that's beloved in Washington and it deserves a name that reflects the affection we've built for this team. Now, I don't know so much about that great history because we have to reckon with the person who bestowed this slur on the team and that was the original owner, George Preston Marshall, a proud white supremacist who dreamed of keeping the R word white. Under his leadership, Washington was the last team to integrate when it signed the recently deceased legend Bobby Mitchell. It would be difficult to think of a greater tribute to Mitchell and what he endured as a team trailblazer than to do more than just what happened last week, which was when they tore down the statue of George Preston Marshall. They should actually build a statue for Bobby Mitchell. And frankly, that should have happened years ago. It's past time for Goodell to show some leadership. It's past time for him to cease his performative anti-racism and actually pledge something that shows he understands that we need to turn the page on this current period in history. That means tackling the most visible expression of racism in the National Football League. And finally, at long last, changing the damn name. So that's what I have for y'all this week. Just stand up award big time to the players in the streets. Just sit down award to the NFL for continuing to do this kind of performative, you want a cookie, anti-racism without confronting the racism right in their midst. It would be so easy for the NFL and Roger Goodell to show that they're sincere about fighting racism. They could change the name of the Washington team. They could actually hire some black coaches. Uh, and they could finally, finally, finally push to get Colin Kaepernick a job. Uh, if they did that, then maybe we could take them seriously. Anything short of that, this is just window dressing and corporate woke speak. Well, that's all the time we have uh, for this week's show. Uh, thank you so much for everybody tuning in. I can't wait for next week's program. We're going to have author and activist Kevin Powell on the program. He has a new book out called When We Free the World, and I'm reading it right now. It's absolutely spectacular. We're going to talk to Kevin Powell, and we're also going to go through what happens this week. And based on everything that happened this past week, who knows what the world's going to look like a week from today. But thank you, everybody out there for listening for the, to this abridged version of the Edge of Sports podcast. Please stay frosty. We are out of here. Peace.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.